So we are in a series called, uh, this will come up pretty soon, we're in a series, uh, new series called Parables. And what we're talking about is the kingdom of God has, um, is complex and it's rich and uh, it is uh, fulfilling and it can't just be described in one little thing. And so what Jesus would do in his brilliance is he would begin to tell stories describing what our Heavenly Father is like, what the kingdom of God is like, and, uh, and what we're like. And so we're going to be going over five of these parables. And before I get started, I just want to give a shout out for those of you who are watching online. I want to give a shout out for those of you who are here, right here, okay? And then, also, if the patio is paying attention, let's hear if they can yell loud enough for us to hear. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So wherever you are, if you're online, if you're here, if you're outside, if you're driving in your car, or, or if you're watching this later on during the week uh, when you have time, we're so glad you're part of our family. We really are. And so we're going to get uh, to a parable that um, I, pre I try to preach on every year. And I went back through my notes, and I actually, it, it's actually been a couple years. And so uh, it's one of my favorite parables because it gives us a glimpse of the heart of our Heavenly Father, and uh, which is very, very important. But before I get into it, I wanted to talk a little bit. Did you guys see the debate? Man, I've never been prouder. <laughs> uh, what those debates revealed to me, which I already knew, and uh, you probably already knew, is that we're a divided country, right? And we're divided on a lot of different things. And so what I'm, my, my, my hope is that in this sermon, I get to annoy all of you on both sides of the aisle, because our church is both right and left, and it's one of the things I'm super duper proud of, uh, is that we uh, know that we all remain un united under the banner of Jesus. That is our number one thing. And so what I wanted to talk about this morning is the idea of how you see other how you see other. And that other may be uh, somebody from a different culture. It might be somebody from a different, um, uh, you know, voting status. It might be someone from a different um, socioeconomic status. It might be someone just different than you. And how your heavenly father has a desire for you to see them this is really important. Through his heart, through his eyes. See, with your heavenly father, there's holiness. But as humans, we tend to go for just right, wrong, black, white, gray. There's no gray. There's no nuance anymore in how we talk. And so what I wanted to do is go through this uh, parable in maybe a little bit different way than we have in, in the past um, to start to think about who are you? Which character are you in the parable? And here's what I think we're going to find out. We're all of them. We're all the characters. 
in different areas of our life, in different ways we posture ourselves, and different things. We are every single one of these characters. My hope is that as we get through these different characters, we can learn how to get to the heart of our Father no matter where we are in this story. Because this is a parable about our Heavenly Father. This is a parable about Jesus describing God. Let me put it this way. This is a parable about God describing God, okay? So it's really important. So what happens is Jesus would, he would, he would preach and teach all over and um, people of all different backgrounds would come to listen to him. And some of the people that came to listen to him were the other Pharisees or the other rabbis. And the reason they do that is because each rabbi had kind of like their own little school. And so they would bring their students and then they do a thing called challenge and repost and you'd have the different rabbis kind of sparring. It was like UFC, but theologically. And so they would, they would spar and they do these things. And then, um, and so th the fact that they're there with Jesus teaching isn't something out of the ordinary. They want to be able to tell their students don't listen to this dude, or that wasn't a good point. Or, as we've seen in Scripture, they'll just challenge Jesus with a, with a question to see how he handles it. So, here we are. Luke 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around Jesus. Okay, so here's rabbi mistake number one. Uh, you don't hang out with tax collectors and sinners. Uh, you hang out with your students, and you're holy, and they're uh, that particular culture would be, they would be tax collectors and sinners are unclean. They're unclean. They're not supposed to be touched. They're not supposed to be, you're supposed to shame them. It was an honor and shame culture. And so he's with tax collectors. So I'll give you an idea. You know, we think of tax collectors like the IRS and all, all, all that, and you know, they are, but um, these, this was worse. This was people from your own culture, from your own neighborhood would be hired by the government to go to your house and collect the taxes. So you can imagine uh, how much you'd love that neighbor, right? And so they would come to your house and the, the government would say, from every household we need, let's say 300 bucks. And so your job was to go to each household and collect the $300. And, but your salary came by whatever you could get over $300. So I would, you know, so depending on my friends, I might go to one friend and be like, uh, you know, hey, I just need the $300. And I might go to another person that offended me a week ago and go, that'll be $380, right? And I'll get $80 from them. So they were hated. They were hated. Matthew, as a matter of fact, one of the disciples was a tax collector, right? And I don't think the rest of the disciples were that happy about it, but he left his tax booth, so that was good. So here he is. He's around tax collectors and sinners. First question. Who are your tax collectors and sinners? Who are the people that you don't like at all? Who are the people that when you read an article, you go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, those people, they're other. When you are on Facebook and you're reading everybody's incredibly intelligent posts and you... And, and you're going, okay, that, now I'm beginning to be outraged. I'm beginning to be angered. Who are those people? Because they're out there. We all have them. I have them, Raider fans. You know, I just can't, I can't help that. That was for, that was for Mark in the back. Sorry, Mark. I'm just, I'm just playing around, right? 
I have them. We all have them. It's human to have them. But it's not the heart of our Heavenly Father. And so he's hanging around other. The, the Pharisees would be like this. These people, if you're a Democrat, he's hanging out with Republicans. If you're a Republican, he's hanging out with Democrats. Oh, everything's terrible. Jesus didn't care. So, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law uh, muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus would welcome all sorts of people. Like he'd, he'd hang out. One, one time there was a prostitute that like started worshiping him. And he's like, yeah, no, no sweat. You know, you're good. Kids would come up and like make all sorts of noise and be rambunctious. He'd be like, yeah, no, no, no problem. This is the heart of Jesus, the Jesus I follow. This is him. And so Jesus hears this, or, you know, he knows the hearts of men, which is frightening, but, um, but he starts on a story. He starts on a parable. He, he hears what they're saying, or he knows what they're muttering, and he says, this is too important, and it's too rich a conversation to just try to explain it, so I'm going to tell a story. That's what parables are. It's when Jesus gets to a topic that's very important, but he can't go through. He doesn't have the time to go through it all. So he begins a story. It's one of my favorite stories. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. Now this, I mean, this would be kind of crazy in our culture. Like if my daughter came to me and said, hey, dad, you know, I know, I know at some point you're going to die and, you know, you own a house. So why don't you just give me you know, a portion of, you know, t take, a, take a second loan out or whatever and just give me my money now, right? And I'd be like, honey, you're not in the will uh, <laughs> as of today. So uh, we'll just wait until I die. And then, right? I mean, just how would that feel to me? Like, what? Like, what? So, but in this culture, oh my goodness, it's even more, it's 10 times worse. Basically, in this culture, he's saying, I can't wait for you to die. I want my stuff. I can't wait for you to die. So the Pharisees right now are like, see, this is exactly why we don't love other. Because we know who they are. We know what type of people they are. So the Pharisees would have been very upset with this. But then the father divides his property between them. He, he does it, which is crazy. So now... The, if you were a Pharisee or if you were anybody just listening to that, you would start questioning the father's judgment. How can the father do that? How can the father feel comfortable doing that? How can the father not know what's his and what's fair and what's just? Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Okay? So... Think about what had to happen for this to happen. It's not just like he went to the bank and said, Dad, you know, could you just transfer, uh, you know, 200 grand into my account? It doesn't work that way. You get sheep, you get land, you get assets. It wasn't like you got, um, it wasn't like there was a savings account. So he had to go through the process of selling all these things and doing all these things to, in order to get his money. And then what makes it even worse is he goes to a distant land. In that culture, you stay with your family there in that property for generations. 
and you certainly stay in your country. This is the land of Israel. This is the land that God had given them. If you're a Jew and you set off for a distant country, the, the, everybody listening to this right now is like, this is a bad dude. Like he is not doing the right thing, okay? So Jesus is setting up this thing to try to make him look as bad and as selfish and as terrible as he possibly can. You pick your other. You pick the person that makes you crazy, that you don't like, uh, they believe differently, they look differently. Jesus is just teeing this up. Then he squanders it, so he's not even a wise person in wild living. Jesus doesn't expand on that. One of the great things about Jesus, the storyteller, is he leaves enough room for you to fill in the blanks where you want to fill in the blanks. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And if you're listening to this story for the first time, you're going, well, yeah, God is judging him. God is judging him for what he's done. And you'd kind of feel a sense of justice. You'd feel good. Maybe you've done this. Maybe you've been online reading an article and your other, wherever they are, begins to falter, begins to stumble. Maybe if you were watching the debates, you'd, you had a party that you were, that was your tribe. And you'd, you'd watch it with, oh good, like that person's gonna mess up and it'll feel really good to me. Is that the heart of Jesus? Because he began to be in need. He began to be in need. If you're human, no matter what your skin color is, no matter what your party is, no matter what your gender is, there will come a time when you will be in need. Where you will have worked to try to get a certain thing, or you've worked for a certain relationship, or you've worked to try to posture your way, or you work to be in a place of power, and all of a sudden you realize, I'm away from my father. I'm away from my heavenly father. And so, depending on where you are in this story, if you're a Pharisee listening to it, or even a tax collector or sinner, you'd be like, yeah, of course he's in need. He never should have left. But that's not the point of the story. So he, he makes it worse. He, he tries to solve it himself. You ever done that when you're in need? You try to solve it yourself? As Dr. Phil would say, you know, how's that working out for you, you know? I mean, that's, that's like, you ever done that? Where you've gone, like, okay, I'm not doing well financially, I'm gonna do this, or I'm gonna invest in this, or um, I'm lonely, so I'm gonna start this relationship, or whatever. You ever do that? Begin to be in need? Here's what he did. He went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. Okay, so now, now the people listening to this story are like, wait, hold up. You were a Jew, and you had your family, and you like owned property, and that property has probably been in your family for generations, and you decide to betray your father and the rest of your family and move to a Gentile, unclean country, and now you've become subservient to a Gentile, it gets worse. Jesus is just like going, I want you to feel so good about yourselves because you're not that guy. You would never do this. 
who sent him to his fields to feed pigs, an unclean animal. Jews were to have nothing to do with pigs, and now he's serving pigs. Dinner. You know, come and get it. You know, the pigs are like, you know, they come in there. That was a good pig noise, too. I'm not going to lie. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. Jesus is driving this dude to be so unclean, so unclean a Jew couldn't even talk to him. That's how unclean this dude is. And Jesus is just making this guy the lowest of lows. And all the listeners would go, I would never do that. I would never do that. I know what's right and wrong. I'm on the right side of this story. Watch what happens. When he came to his senses. Have you ever been in need and had that epiphany of coming to your senses? So like, maybe you're, you're in debt, right? And you are just avoiding it because the best way to get out of debt is to not open the visa statement and just pay the minimum. That's the best way, right? So you just go, I'm erase, erase. I don't even want to look at the statement. I, I, I don't want, this happened to me several years ago. I started a company and we were selling um, this software. It was a software company. We we're selling software to these people who were out selling things. It was like, a, we were the software company that uh, gave, like they were a multi-level marketing firm. And so we were just kind of like the agent's software. And it was going really cool until it didn't. Uh, and so what had happened was uh, I had taken out this loan and uh, we were kind of ramping up. So I had to be able to process credit cards and get these. At that time, they were floppy disks. See, kids, it used to be that one day you used to put a little disk into it and it, would, it didn't just come out of the cloud. Uh, and so I, like it would, it would duplicate disks and packaging and shipping and all that stuff. Well, the company that I did this for went out of business. And so I went out of business, right? And so I just remember, I just, I, I didn't want to look at the credit card bill. I just didn't, I didn't want to look at it. I, I knew what my minimum was. And I'm just like, I don't have the mental capacity to do this. But one day I came to my senses and went, this isn't going away right? It might be you with health, some type of health thing, and you know it doesn't feel right, you know it's not right, you know this isn't really the place you're supposed to be, and then all of a sudden one day something happens and you come to your senses. You might be in a relationship and it's toxic, but you don't want to be alone, and so you kind of stick with it, and, and you're trying to make it work, and you're making all sorts of excuses for the person, and they're abusive, and all of a sudden one day you come to your senses, can I tell you, Jesus is longing for that time that you come to your senses? So here's my first point. Own your reality. You have to own it. Just own it. I had, one day I had to open that visa bill and just own it and just come up with a plan. So you just got to own it. Like, hey, I got myself into this. I started this relationship. I started this habit. I started it. I have to own my reality. And this is what happened. So when he came to his senses, he said, he starts thinking about his father. Like my father is like really good. He's like a good father. 
When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? In other words, my father takes care of those all around him, regardless of their status. That's who the father is. And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back. Do you know how hard that is? He has no money. He's poor, and he's in a distant land. So he's got to start the journey back to his father in order to be able to try to reconcile as best he can. And then he starts doing what we do. He starts processing. You ever, have you ever had a conversation that you knew had to happen and you're like getting all torn up about it and so you start practicing it? Like, I don't know. I do this in the shower a lot. I know that isn't the best mental picture, but I, I, I'll just go through the conversation. Oh, and I bet they're going to say this and then I'm going to say this. and I'll, Okay, no, no, no. I won't say it that way. Well, this is what he does. He, he practices it so much that he actually memorizes it so that when we see when he goes back to his father, spoiler alert, uh, he says the exact same words. And here's what he says. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against you and against, uh, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer, this is so important, worthy, look at the language he uses, to be your son, to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So, number one, own your reality. You gotta own it. Are you far from God right now? Have you drifted off? Have you drifted away? Have you gotten to a place where you kind of felt like you could do it on your own, you could do it on your own, you could do it on your own, and all of a sudden you went, I'm beginning to be in need. And you remember the goodness of your heavenly Father. And you own that reality. You go, you know what? Maybe for some of you watching online, maybe this thing that you're watching online is like your first step to just going, you know what? I think I need God in my life. I, th I don't think the rest of it is working. That's great. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So we own our reality and then we plan with humility. This guy not only planned to go back to his dad, but he did it in a way of like, I gotta own this. I gotta ask for forgiveness. I have to realize that I, I didn't live the way I was supposed to live. And so we plan, but with humility. Do I need to expose my reality to somebody else? If I'm going to get back to my heavenly father, which we see this is the correlation and the reason that he's saying this parable, if I'm going to own my reality and then all of a sudden I got a plan with humility, I might have to expose my reality to another human being in order to get back home, in order to get back to this journey. So here's what he does. He got up. <laughs> For some of us, that might be your first step. It might be to crack open your Bible for the first time in, in maybe years and just go, look, I gotta, I gotta get back. You just gotta get up. You just, it might just be a phone call. Hey, I'm struggling. I wanna get back. I wanna visit your church wherever you are. I wanna, I wanna figure out like how do, I, how do I even get back to God? He gets up and he went to his father. He just starts 
So we, we own our reality, we plan with humility, and then we start our trajectory. That's it. God isn't asking us to just, he doesn't wait for us to have it all together. That's foreign to the Bible. That's what Pharisees do. That's what people who are legalistic do. They say, wait until you're holy enough and then you can approach God. We approach God in humility no matter where we are at. And let me just tell you this. No matter how far you are right now from your heavenly father, it is never too late to start your trajectory back to him. That's what he's waiting for. So we start our trajectory. So he got up and he went to his father. Oh man, this one always gets me, this next verse. Listen to this. Now, just remember what he did, okay? Remember how foolish he was. He went to his father and basically said, I can't wait for you to die. Give me my money, okay? And then uh, he took it and he squandered it on wild living. It wasn't even like a bad investment. It was just squandered. The Bible says he was, it was just squandered. And then he had to hire himself under a Gentile, unclean. The Jews called them dogs. So you'd hire yourself under what they would call a dog, and then you're taking care of an unclean animal, and then you're subservient to that animal because you have to feed that animal, and then you want to eat the animal's food. You are the uncleanliness of all uncleanliness, and you might be feeling that right now as you think about how you are with God, how far away you might be. So think about that. You're, you're, you're far away from God. Maybe you've had some sin issues, addiction issues, or whatever, and you decide, okay, I'm going to make things right. How long does it take to make something right with God? But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son, and he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. This is the heart of your heavenly Father towards you and towards those who are other than you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. This is the heart of your heavenly Father. So when we sit back and we judge and we uh, don't listen to another point of view when we're not, we've lost nuance and when we just think we can handle it in 144 or 280 characters and we think we've got a hold on it, we are missing the heart of our Heavenly Father. He loves Trump. He loves Biden. Now, I'm not telling you not to vote, 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 vote. Matter of fact, I think we're going to have a rock the vote thing in the parking lot in a few weeks to register to vote. I'm all about voting. But it's this is what your Heavenly Father is worried about. The outrage, the fear, the anger. Can you imagine how much outrage, fear, and anger this, heavenly, this Father could have had for his son? But he doesn't. So this son, I love this. This is exactly what he had rehearsed. The son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven, against you. I'm no longer worthy to call your son. And he probably took a breath because he was going to say, please make me one of your hired servants, right? He took a breath. But the father said to his servants, quick, 
And the guy's like, well, I really wasn't finished yet. I was going to talk about being a guy. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Look at what the Heavenly Father does. Bring the best robe. You can just imagine what this guy was wearing after that long journey and experiencing homelessness, right? Because that's what he was, that was his reality. He was, he was experiencing homelessness. So he's probably tattered. So let's take care of that. Let's get, it, let's get his clothes all taken care of. Put a ring on his finger. He probably has no identity. He's lost his identity. He's lost his value. And now his father is saying, this is your new identity. And he puts that ring on his finger and says, your identity is not in your, how you look or the mistakes you've made. You're back. He says, bring the fatted calf and kill it. He's probably starving. He probably hasn't had a great meal in a long time. And his father says, we're going to take care of that need too. Oh, I forgot the sandals on his feet. Yeah, he probably didn't have any sandals. He probably didn't have anything. So let's protect that. His father was restoring him back to what he was supposed to be in the first place. A new identity. And your heavenly father longs to restore you back to what you're supposed to be. Regardless of the mistakes you've made and where you've come from. This is a story of restoration from a father to a son or a daughter. Ah. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the ranch, because it was a ranch, actually, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he's out there, he's doing stuff, and he's like, what? I hear something from the house. He starts getting closer, and it's like, lights are going on, and it's like, it's like going on. So he calls one of the servants. Hey, come over here. What's, what's going on? I, like, I, I, I don't like dubstep music. Your brother has come. Oh. He replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. Your party lost. The person that you have been demonizing all this time, my worthless brother, every conversation this guy has been in, oh man, my brother, what a loser. You know what he did? He took half of the estate, or actually it would have been less than half, and he went off and he's just, he's just a loser and he doesn't care about the family, he doesn't care about our culture, he doesn't care about anything. All of a sudden you find out that that person that you demonize your heavenly father doesn't demonize. He replied, your father's killed the fatted calf. He has him back safe and sound. 
The older brother was so happy that reconciliation came with his family. Oh, wait. No, his, uh, uh, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. Canceled him. Just said, I, I, I unfriended him on Facebook. Uh, it's done. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to see him. I don't want to see pictures of his vacation. He's blocked. Done. He's dead to me. Can't even read anything about him. And watch what happens. So the father went out and pleaded with him. Pleaded with him. And, he, and, and watch how twisted the son gets it. He says, he, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving away. I'm on the right side. All these years, I'm on the right side. I've been slaving for you and I've never disobeyed your orders. That's ridiculous. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Okay, right? Super mature older brother. Like you haven't done anything for me. Now come on, man. Really? Your father's never done anything for you. But this is what happens when we start having our relationship with other. But when this son of yours, in other words, not my brother, I, I unfriended him like two years ago, don't even know I have a brother, who has squandered your property with prostitutes. Okay, first of all, prostitutes were never mentioned in the story. And the brother isn't on Instagram and couldn't see where his brother was. Nobody knew where this brother was or what he was doing. This was the identity the brother had created for his brother, which we do all the time. Oh, what do they believe? Oh, I know who they are. I know how they spend their time. I know what they think. I know what they do. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're, they don't. I know everything about X. You pick, yeah, 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 I know. You don't have to tell me anything more, Dad. Yeah, it's prostitutes, uh, you know, probably was in a gang, uh, you know. I know everything about those types of people. Do you? Yet you killed the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. In other words, hey, what relationship do you have with your heavenly father? That solves most of your problems as far as perspective. In other words, why would I spend my time outraged about somebody else when I have this rich and amazing relationship with Jesus? What, what, what do I care about what someone else does? All I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours, he's reminding him again, this is a brother, this is a sister, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. I wonder what would happen in the church if when we went online or we kind of got into our space of outrage. We all have our spaces. If we began to say, God, would you bring that person to you? 
I don't know how far off they are. I don't know their heart. I know they believe different than me, but, but if, if, can you bring them close? Imagine this. This is crazy. This is crazy. But imagine during a debate between your party and another party, you were in prayer. I know. It, it sounds silly. Like, Lord, we need unity in this country. We need unity in the church. We need unity, racial reconciliation. We need unity. These are all our brothers and sisters. God, would you bring it? If I'm the older brother, would you chastise me and let me know? If I'm the younger brother, would you help me come to my senses? Look, if it doesn't happen in the church, it doesn't happen. We, as Christians, have been given everything according to life and godliness. We're next to our Heavenly Father. We're there. We made it. We have it. Everything else is a waste of time. We own our reality. We plan with humility. And we start our trajectory. As the worship band comes back up, um, we're going to uh, end in a song and um, we're going to take communion. And so if you're online and... I forgot to mention this, doggone it. If you're online, we're going to uh, end with this song, and that'll give you time to go to your cupboard, and you just need a solid and a liquid, okay? You can get a cracker, you can get bread, um, uh, not flaming Hot Cheetos. That's, God said no for those. You can get, a, you can get a one flaming Hot Cheeto and, and, and a liquid, and then we're going to all take communion together. So we have people in the patio, we have people here, and we have people online. And so uh, after we finish this song, I'll come up, we'll take communion, and then uh, we'll go for the blessing, and then uh, you're, you're dismissed. Let me pray for us real quick. Lord God, in a culture that we've created in America that is divided in all sorts of different ways, we are thankful that we have a single Heavenly Father that loves us all that provided a way for us to come to our senses, to make our journey back, to just say, man, this is not working for me. I need to just get back to Jesus. I need to just accept again that I've made mistakes, that I've sinned, that I'm apart. And to go, this is what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna go back to my Heavenly Father and I'm gonna say, Father, forgive me. By the blood of your son, Jesus, Lord, I just pray that he would be the Lord of my life. That I could be restored back to the position that I was designed to be in in the very first place. So we thank you for that. Lord, we spend this time in this song to prepare our communion that we'll take together. We thank you for that sacrifice. In your son, Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we go ahead and stand for the blessing? If you're at home, you can stand if you want. Not in your car. Don't do that if you're listening online. Out in the patio. Now in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in his peace, in his strength, and in his joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next week.